0: All right, how are we doing this morning good it 's good to be together and uh, talk about another cheery psalm, as you may have noticed, but uh, it is good to be together and worship God today. He is good, and he is worthy of our worship uh, today uh, I am just so thankful for the variety of ways uh, that we that we 're worshiping God uh, here uh, this morning and and with song and with his word and I love, I love having kids up here, and I love those children's messages. And as we've been uh, doing those children's messages for the last few months, I sometimes wonder, do you get more out of them than the kids? <laughs> you know, sometimes the message is for you, and sometimes the simplest message can be the deepest. And so we really appreciate that, and we love uh, having the kids. And sometimes it's the simple things, it's the childlike faith that we need to remind us of those things. And uh, as I was thinking about kids, I, I ran across this week um, some real actual questions that some probably six, seven, eight-year-old kids uh, came up with when they were told to write down, what are, the, what are your deepest questions to God? What are those things you're really wrestling with, those things you're struggling with? And so these, these kids were asked to write them down. And so he, I thought I'd share some of these uh, with you. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Dear God... It must be hard for you to love all the people in the world. I only have one sister, and I'm finding it very difficult. Dear God, are you really invisible, or is that just a trick? Here's here's a fun one. Dear God, do plastic flowers make you mad? I would be if I made the real ones. (laughs) Dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that, or was that an accident? Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church is that okay that was my favorite one but you gotta love you gotta love the uh the innocence of childlike faith and the the willingness to ask the tough questions and to wrestle with who god is from an honest heart and so i'm wondering what are your questions today what are the questions that you're wrestling with that have been on your heart lately? And whether they're in the circumstances of your life or maybe they're questions about the future, questions about how you're going to make it, make it through, questions about your faith, what questions are you wrestling with God about today? And we know that those questions, even from the, from the faith of a child, we know that questions don't end with children. They sometimes just get bigger, don't they? They just get more serious our questions about god become deeper and sometimes more difficult to articulate because sometimes faith isn't easy sometimes faith gets messy things can be going along really well and then all of a sudden something happens that can really shake you up and kind of steer you off that path you thought you were going down sometimes your faith gets tested And that is certainly true of Psalm 73. Maybe some of you have been, when you've heard the scripture reader come up here this summer and read these psalms, you're like, how's John going to pull this one out? That's pretty depressing. (laughs) You know, how's something good going to come out of that? And some of the psalms are messy because they're asking real questions. The people people that are writing the psalms, David and these other worship leaders, they're not avoiding the tough questions. And sometimes we do that, don't we? I'm sure some of you have seen that in the psalms this summer, that those tough questions come up again and again. And I just want you to know that today that just like the Psalms, this place, this community, this family of faith that we have here is a place for those questions. Are you wrestling with something today? Is something not sitting right with you today? Is it difficult for you to see how God can exist and how God can be good, but then something in your life just doesn't match up with that? That's okay. That's okay. This is a safe place for questions. That's why we're going through the book of Psalms together. And so I pray this morning that this can be a safe place where we come, maybe with some of those doubts, those things you're wrestling with, not with everything all figured out. If you're looking for a perfect church, you might want to leave now because this isn't it. I mean, we'd love to have you stay, but it's not it. And you're going to be disappointed because we're broken and we're messed up and we don't have all the answers. And so today I pray that we'd come. Not with trying to figure it all out, but to try to find a different perspective, a new way of seeing through some of these difficulties. It's why reading the Psalms are so important. These, these guys aren't holding anything back. And, and so often, we hold people up in the Bible, these heroes in the Bible, we hold them up as like heroes of the faith, right? Like, oh, I want to be like David. I want, I want to be like, like J- Joseph or Joshua or Moses or Abraham. They were messed up people, but we hold them up with these models of Christian faith, I think sometimes for the wrong reason, because we think they never struggled, because we think they never doubted or wrestled with any of these difficult questions of the faith. And it's the same in our psalm this morning. If you've got your Bibles open there, if you need one, just they're underneath the chairs and feel free to pass them down. We're going to be looking at Psalm 73 today. If you've got it in front of you, look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. The psalmist here is Asaph, and he says this, But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. The author of the psalms, I was almost gone. Like it almost all fell apart. Everything that my faith was built on, it almost all fell apart. This is Asaph. I mean, do you understand who we're talking about here? Say Asaph. That's a fun one. If you're looking for a new name for your baby, that's available. Asaph. Not a popular name, but Asaph was a very popular guy. Asaph was uh, this mature, godly man who was one of David's worship leaders. He said that David kind of had these three main worship leaders that he worked with on a regular basis in the temple. Asaph was one of those main worship leaders. You think about a worship leader like, whoa, they really have it all together, right? Paul, you can attest to this. Not all the time, right? Yeah, worship leaders are people too. And so Asaph is struggling here. He's asking some questions and, and uh, somebody, Asaph was probably somebody that a lot of people looked up to that had, he, maybe he had this unshakable faith. But he's saying, no, that's just not true. You see, I've got some issues and I'm going to share them with you in Psalm 73 today. And so I wonder, why is that so hard for us? We've, we've created this idea for some reason that to be mature in our faith means that we never doubt. And sometimes we act that way in our church community too. Sometimes completely avoiding the difficult questions and the complexities of life because it's easier to talk about God's love and its peace and rainbows and things that God created. It's a lot funner. It's more fun. It's easier to talk about those things. You know, I'd rather talk about how great God is for creating the game of golf. I'd rather talk about how great God is for creating summer and steaks and grill-outs. I mean, those would be much more cheery things to talk about. But then we get Psalm 73, and we're kind of forced to wrestle with it. We get a fun topic like that. Asaph was ready to throw in the towel. Worship leader, I've had it. I've had it. I'm ready to throw in the towel. There's too many unanswered questions about God. But it's in the asking and it's in the wrestling with God that he gains a whole new perspective. And I wonder, maybe maturity in Christ, what we're going for here, becoming disciples, that's why we're here, that's why you're a part of this church, hopefully. Maybe maturity in Christ is not having all the answers, but maybe maturity in Christ is being willing to wrestle with God and seek him until, at his timing, he molds and shapes your heart into the, into the place that he wants it to be. Maybe that's maturity in Christ. And I believe that's what we'll find that happens with our friend Asaph today. He's willing to struggle and the rewards are more than worth it. So what questions... Are you wrestling with today? What questions have you kind of pushed down inside? Because you know what? We can't ask those at church. (laughs) They're too complicated for church. We need to stick to the basics at church. Just things that we can understand and get our heads around. But God wants us to wrestle with those deeper complexities because it's in the big things and it's in the small things and it's in the details and it's in the questions that we find God And so Asaph is wrestling with those questions today, and for him it's the question of envy. It's the question of envy, it's the question of wrestling with that issue of what other people have that you want. Some, somebody else has something that I desire. I don't have what I deserve, it just isn't fair. I can relate to this, and you may think this is a kind of a cheesy answer, but... I love golf and it's British Open Week. Do we have any British Open fans out there? Golf fans? Anyone? Two. Awesome. Great. I love golf. And I love things about golf that you would think would be very silly to think that things you love about golf. So just go with me for here for a second. I love the smell of freshly mowed grass. I love that about walking on a golf course. I love the sound of an iron of my pitching wedge as it creates a divot in the ground as I hit the grass. This is just strange. I love the way that professional fairways are mowed so that you see the stripes you know what I'm talking about? The stripes in the grass? It's just not just green. It's like, ooh, it's different shades of green, and they're mowed a certain way. I'm very strange, and some of you might thinking, we, we knew John was weird, but this is, this is strange. I love golf. I love things about golf that, that nobody else loves about golf, and, I, and, and, and for many of you, golf is good for one thing, and that's for watching on TV and falling asleep to. And taking a nap. It's a great napping sport. But it's British Open week. The British Open is one of the four biggest tournaments of the year. They're called majors. It's like in tennis, too, if there's any tennis fans out there. The British Open is the oldest golf tournament in the world. And it's usually played over in Scotland, and that's where golf was invented, where golf was born. And as of this morning, and I don't know, but there's because there's a time difference, and I didn't check it this morning. Tom Watson. Do you remember Tom Watson? This guy was popular way back in the day. He won the British Open like 25 years ago. Tom Watson is 59 years old, and I am not saying that's old. 50 is the new 30, right? That is not old. But in in golfing terms, that's pretty old because here we have a 59-year-old golfer leading the British Open, and he's playing against guys that are half his age. And so his playing partner in the final round is 26. I'm 26. I need to be playing in the British Open this morning. There's no reason I shouldn't be in Scotland. I love golf. I love the British Open. And this guy is 26. And here he is. It's my envy problem. And I'm wrestling with it this morning. And I'm going to go home and I'm probably going to watch Center. eventually. I should be playing with Tom Watson in the final round of the British Open. Snap out of it. It's my, it's my envy problem. And we can laugh and we can joke about that, but if you're anything like me, it's deeper than that, isn't it? Those envy problems that we have, it's not just about some silly hobby. It's deeper and it's rooted deep in our hearts. And some of you have been struggling this with this for a lot of years. It's not always fun and games because envy steals our joy and it shakes up our faith. Have you let... What you don't have get the best of you? Have you let what you don't have get the best of you? We've all struggled with wishing that our circumstances were different, wishing that things were better, wondering why others, those other people, have it so much better. In our psalm today, Asaph is struggling with envy, with bitterness, and it leads to doubt. Asaph begins, if you've got Psalm 73 in front of you, Asaph begins the psalm, Surely God is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. This is what I know about God. So he almost opens the whole psalm with a summary statement. That, that God is good. That's for sure. I think we can all agree on that. But it's also the crux of the problem. If God is good, shouldn't we receive more blessings in life? Shouldn't we get more things? Shouldn't, shouldn't we at least have more blessings than those people that don't even care about God? I mean, you know those people? Those bad people? <laughs> those evil people? they're prospering. Listen to verse two, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have all the troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. Wow. Asaph is having a bad day, but it's deeper than that it's from his heart and he's been wrestling with this for a while and so now he's complaining to god he's spewing it out he's pouring out his heart to god and he's tempted he's tempted to give into that temptation to become bitter to become angry and to walk around with the bitterness in his heart you ever been there maybe you're there today I envied them, Asaph said. And it's such an easy temptation to slip into. I I envy the family down the street for that vacation that they were able to take this summer. I I envied the guy in the cubicle at work because he got that promotion. I, 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 I envy... That, that, that kid that's in my class that always seems to get the spot on the team that I wanted. I envied the person in my class that got that scholarship to college that I deserved. I envied that other artist because I'm just as talented as they are. But they got the break. They got their painting up on the wall. They got their song published. You have this, these goals and your dreams for your life, these aspirations I'm sure you all have. And then you look at the person next to you and you're like, they didn't work half as hard as I did. I went to school for eight years. I did all these things. And, and they're the ones that catch the break. Why? We all ask those questions. But we were never meant to carry around that burden of anger and bitterness. Rich, go ahead and throw that next slide up there. Did your face ever look like that? Oh, go ahead. That one before it. Did your face ever look like that? Go ahead and just turn to your neighbor and try to make a bitter face. Do your best bitter face and try not to laugh. That's the goal. We were never meant to live like that. But you know what? You can see it on our faces, but you know what the deeper problem is? That's what our hearts look like sometimes. Because when we choose to live in envy and bitterness and and, and comparing ourselves to other people and looking around saying, I don't have that and I wish I had that and why isn't my life like that? Our face looks like that sometimes. But the more dangerous thing is that our heart looks like that and it shrivels up. It doesn't get filled with that life and that joy and that peace that God meant for us to live with. Our he- hearts end up looking the same and we weren't made to live with envy. Life is just too short for that. And maybe if this isn't quite taking root for you yet, I want you to wrestle with this question for a while and maybe write it down if you've got your bulletin in front of you. When is the last time that you were genuinely happy for someone that got what you wanted? When is the last time that you were genuinely from the heart, not faking it, not just putting on that smile, when's the last time you were genuinely happy for someone that that got what you wanted? I'm not just talking about budging in line at Dairy Queen or something. I'm talking about the deeper things, the things that really matter to you. And somebody else got it. It's difficult, isn't it? Genuinely, not, not faking it, but in your heart. And so I wonder, is, is there some sort of bitterness or resentment that you have towards someone today that you just need to let go? This is no way to live. Clench your fists like you're holding on tightly something. Clench your fists as tight as you can. And now make that bitter face. that's no way to live and maybe it's time to open up your hands and let go. It feels a lot better to live with open hands than it does to live with clenched fists. Envy is dangerous because it's a trick of the devil. It's not just some little thing, that, oh, you know, I'll try to not be so envious, but there's always going to be those things I want. That's just the way I am. That's the way I grew up. That's the way my parents were. That's the way I was brought up. You know, it's just a part of who I am. You can't really change. Yes, you can. God says, this is an area, this is, this is outside of my will. I don't, I don't want you to live like this. This isn't what you were created for. And it's dangerous because it's a trick of the devil and he's sneaky and he weaves his way into your thoughts and then it comes down to your heart and out of the overflow of your heart, that's where you live from. And it leads us to doubt God and it leads Asaph to doubt God as well. Is God holding out on us? Is God, is God holding something back from me? Does, does God really know what's happening in my life? I mean, does he see what's going on here? Does he see all these people that are getting blessed and I'm sitting here struggling? Look at verse 11. Does the Most High even know what's happening? I mean, you can't get much more real than that. That's what I love about the Bible. Does God even know? Where Where are you? Do you know what's happening? Asaph's trust in this God that he worships, that he leads other people in worship, it's called into question, and we're called to consider the same thing today. Envy and bitterness is ultimately stemming from our trust in God's heart. If God really understands and has a plan for my life, even though, I mean, life might not be lining up the way we thought it would, even even though the difficulties continue to pile up, is his heart good? Can I trust him? Will God provide what I need? And so here's the second question to kind of test your heart this morning What is it that I think I need in order to be satisfied with my life? What's on that list? for you if i had you list the top five things that you think you need to be satisfied those things that the world can offer what's on your list because the question that we're really behind it this game of envy the question that we're really asking is why if we really want to get to the root of it we ask the question why do i need that so much Where have I placed my hope? Where have I placed my hope for joy? Because it's really easy, and maybe this is you and this is me a lot, we fall into the when-then lie. Turn to your neighbor and say, the when-then lie. Here's the when-then lie. When I graduate from high school, then I'll have the freedom that I really need. When I graduate from college, then real life, will begin and I'll stop messing around and I'll get serious like an adult. When I find a better job, when I grow up, when I find a job that pays more reasonably, then I'll have my life on track. When I'm married, when I find that special someone, then I'll be whole and I won't feel so lonely. When I find a new job, then it'll free me up to have more time with the kids. When things slow down in my current job, then I'll actually have more time to spend with God. When I'm retired, then I'll truly be able to live in peace. And you know what the problem with the when-then lie is? (laughs) The problem is it never ends. (laughs) There's always a when and then. The problem is that it never ends and that we place our joy and we place our, our, our efforts for peace on temporary circumstances that we're never going to satisfy a heart that you have that was created for eternal things. What is that person that you just, every time this, this, this gets worked up for you, what is that person that you always go back to? If I could only be like them, if I could only have what they have. What are those times in your life when envy just seems to creep in again and again when you're weak and you're vulnerable and everybody else seems to have what you're looking for? What is, what is your default heart posture when you see your sibling or your neighbor or your coworker, even those you don't like, get what they want and you're left standing there? What's the default posture of your heart? Is it envy? Well, that's got something that God wants to change in you today. Envy is dangerous as well because it can keep us from the blessing of seeing what God is doing all around you, of seeing God in everything, in seeing a God that's not bound by when or then. Because perspective is everything. Perspective is a powerful thing. There was once a father of a very, very wealthy family, very well off, and they had everything that you could ever want, that a family would need, and this father decided to take his son on a trip to a part of the country with the purpose of showing his son how people in poverty live, to maybe think it would bring him some perspective on his life. And so the father and son went and they spent a couple of days and nights on on the farm, kind of out on the countryside where some people that were not well off were living and that you may consider a very poor family. And so they spent during their time there and the father was kind of wondering if it was getting through to the son and so they were driving back. And on their return from the trip, the father asked his son, so what did you think? Did you learn anything? And how was the trip? And the son goes, oh... It was great, Dad. And, and the father goes, Wow, that's, that's great. Did, so did you see how poor people live? father asked. Oh, yeah, said the son. So, so tell me, said the father, what did you learn from the trip? And the son answered, Well, I, I saw that we have one dog and they have four that run all over the place. We have a pool that reaches to the middle of our garden and our bar- backyard, but they have a creek that has no end. We have imported lanterns in our garden and they have stars at night. Our patio reaches to the front yard. Man, they have a whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on and they have fields that go on past even I can see. We have servants who come and wait on us, who serve us, but they serve each other. We buy our food, but they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us, but they have friends to protect them. At this point, the boy's father was speechless and then his son added, wow, thanks dad. Thanks thanks for showing me how truly poor we are. Perspective is a powerful thing, isn't it? And it puts our questions that we have into, into perspective. And I wonder, has envy got its hooks in you? The world likes to throw out all these things in the media that say, you need that. You deserve that. You should have that. It's what's coming your way. You deserve it. But we need to take a step back because perspective is a powerful thing, and we need to take our blinders off and not get wrapped up. And the culture gets its hooks in us, and we need to be free of that. As Laura mentioned in the children's sermon this past Friday, some of us had the opportunity to cook and serve a meal for the residents down at Central Iowa Shelter, and and so we're there in the line, and I'm I'm watching some of these brothers and sisters shuffle through the line and face after face and the line just kept on going and going and going until one man came through the line and he just had this great big giant smile on his face and uh, somebody on our team uh, said hi there how are you and pause there on the story for a second envy wanting what others have, wishing your circumstances p- could be different. There's a hundred different answers that I think this gentleman could have gave. You're there, you know, I got to go to an Iowa Cubs game later that night. We, we got to go home and go and have popcorn and pop and watch movies and do whatever we wanted after that. But they couldn't. There's a hundred different answers that this man could have given. How are you tonight, Sir? as he's waiting patiently for his food. Blessed. I'm I'm very very blessed tonight. And so I was kind of <laughs> took a step back from my handing out cookies and and thought about that for a second. Perspective is powerful, isn't it? Blessed. Very very Blessed. How important it is to take a step back. And when the temptation to let bitterness creep into our hearts come, we can choose to live a bitter life or a bigger life. What mindset do you have today? And this is where the transformation takes place for Asaph. This is where the transformation can take place in our own hearts. Listen to Asaph. Later in our scripture, then I went into the sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Perspective is a powerful thing, and when the perspective is in light of God's presence, it's heart changing. It doesn't always change your circumstances, it's heart changing. It changes you from the inside out. Asaph continues, verse 21 Then I realized that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. And this is the best part. And let's read this together up on the screen, starting with verse 23. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength in my heart. He is mine forever. What a change of perspective as Asaph comes into God's presence. Everything changes from a human circumstantial perspective to an eternal perspective with God in mind. And although he has experienced his frustrations and confusion, he comes to a place of confidence in his heart. In God's presence, he knows the one who knows what he's going through. In God's presence, he knows that the stuff of life is just stuff. In God's presence, he knows that this life is not all there is. If we're going to overcome the ugliness of envy and bitterness in our lives, it's not going to be by us trying harder. It can only come, as Asaph learned, as he gets his eyes off of himself and puts them on the one that's truly going to satisfy his soul. I don't need... I I don't need what that other person has. I'm free of that. I don't need their stuff. I don't need their status. I don't need to worry about comparing myself to other people. I don't need to worry about playing that when-then game. (laughs) I've got the greatest truth in the world living inside of me, and it's the love and power of Jesus Christ. You have the greatest treasure in the world when you know Jesus. You've been given everything. we've, We've been given life. And life eternal, a place and a promise that we're going to live forever in a world. That all the questions and all the unfairness and all the doubts are just going to fade away in the light of His glorious presence. This life that we're going to have goes on forever and ever and is greater and is more satisfying than anything we could ever envy about on this earth. Anything that's on your list of things that you think that you really need today. And so Asaph realizes this, realizes all the people that he envies don't have what he has. They don't know God. They don't have eternal life. They don't have that satisfaction. They don't have that relationship. And so listen to what Asaph, the very last verse, listen to what Asaph happens in his heart. I got to go tell everyone. I can't hold this inside anymore. This news is just too good. How, how foolish I was. How silly was I to think. How, how silly was I to envy People who have a bunch of worldly things, but I have life. I have eternal life. I have this relationship with God. What was I thinking? I want to just end with this story. One of the favorite artists of mine, uh, Bebo Norman, went to Tanzania to visit uh, a family that he knew there, a child that he was sponsoring through a program called Compassion International. And they're sitting there with this man in his hut in the middle of nowhere and they have this one tree and they have a goat that Compassion gave them for milk and cheese and they're sitting there and, and after they talk for a while, uh, Bebo asks this man who's in charge of this family here, he has seven kids, I think, and Bebo asks this man, if you, if you could have one thing, you know, what's on your list? If you could have one thing to improve your life, what would it be? And so the man is sitting there and his Dirt floor of his hut in Tanzania, and everybody's waiting for him to answer. And after a long pause, he looked up and he said, You ask me, what more do I need? I have a stream for water. I have this tree for fruit. I have this goat that you gave me for milk. You ask me, what more do I need? This Jesus you speak of. My whole family knows this Jesus. What more could I ever ask for? Whom have I in heaven but you? Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. We're always going to have those tough questions in life that we're forced to wrestle with, and that temptation to envy just like Asaph, and wonder why things in life seem so backwards. Things in life seem so broken. But today, maybe it's time to let go and let God be the judge. It's not your job to get revenge. It's not your job to get bitter and envious. God is the judge. Let God be who he is. Let God determine your priorities, what's on your list of what you really need. And I truly believe that it's in the questions. And I pray this is true for you, that it's in the questions. I pray we'll find a God who reminds us of his love and his faithfulness. It's a God that calls us to live in such a way that others see the treasure of who this God is and that we would not even think of being envious because we have all things given to us. May we live our lives in a way that points to God's infinite worth, not in bitterness, but in freedom and in peace. Amen? Let's stand together.